Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Okay, so we're going to start out the study with something that I did uh, originally 17 years ago, maybe 18 years ago. So there is at least one, two, three people in the room that could have been there when I did it last. Uh, if you happen to remember something happened on a Sunday 17 years ago, don't give it away. I've talked about it a couple of times over the years as well. So if you remember me talking about it and you realize where I'm going, don't give it away. We will get to it at the end of the summer, but we're going to start at the beginning. So here's what I want to know. Starting out, and I just want to see it's shorter than normal. There it is. Now I realize you are not probably going from be from your seat, depending on where you're at, see everything I write up here. So if you want to see everything, it's seats, seats. Okay. What I want to make a list of is what you expect from me as a pastor. What do you expect in my life? What do you just assume that I do? Hold on, I haven't opened the floor yet. <laughs> Hoping that you do. I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> Miss Kathy, what, would you, what did you say? Donuts. Donuts? Yes. No. Okay, wait, wait, actually, no, this works to my advantage. Is that right? Okay, Mike raised his hand very politely and waited his turn. Mike? What? Barbecue chicken? You guys are going to regret this later. What do you expect from your pastor? Katie? Oh, dear Lord, we're never going to stop. Thank God. Seeking, Lord. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. I don't know what this does for the camera, but thank you so much, Katie, for being... You know. Oh, whoa. For being somewhat holy in this den of demons. What else? Huh? Wisdom and knowledge? Oh, good luck. Okay. I appreciate you, James. I'll kiss your hand, but you know. Yes, David. Spread the word. Okay, good one. Anyone feeling convicted yet? Who else? Huh? Caring? Caring? Okay. Oh, yeah, I'll take Darren. What else? What's that? I'm going to borrow this for a little bit. <laughs> Katie? Creating vision. Creating, creating vision? Let's put seeking. Okay. Follow through? 
Okay. Yeah. I think a great listener. Okay. For more credit hours, and I'll be there. What else? Huh? Leader? Okay. I heard another one from over there. Time? Okay. No, you won't. Funny. Open-minded? A scribe? <laughs> Have you seen the handwriting yet? Anybody else? <laughs> did somebody just, did you say what's the, what the Bible says? Somebody look it up, what the Bible says it's supposed to be. What? It's an approachable. Oh, crap. <laughs> huh? Comforter? Comforter? I'll go with unjudging, but still holding to the word. Hey, that's... Take a couple more. I mean, I still got like two minutes on Wednesday. What? Be real. Be real? Okay. Huh? No? You want it? Okay. No problem, because you don't have it. But it <laughs> Anybody else? Thick skin? I better not be a fat joke. <laughs> huh? Got space for one more? Anybody want it? Yeah. What? Mediator? Okay. Okay, we're going to stop it there for now. Go ahead, Katie. Okay, Katie, be quiet. Okay. We go back to Luke 19. Luke 19, Luke 19. If you remember correctly, I told you to go to Luke 19 
last week and then realized, I lied to you and kept going back 10 chapters because we wanted to get a visual of the amount of space that Luke gives us about the last journey for Jesus when he was going to Jerusalem. Luke 9:51, he says he set his face to the journey of, uh, to Jerusalem. He was resolute for his journey last time he was going through these areas uh, to go to the crucifixion. And with, uh, Nate, if you don't mind, can you jump on the PowerPoint and switch that over to uh, the map of Michael? There it is. If you remember last week, we went through this, uh, and I brought back my handy-dandy pointer. Okay, so if you weren't here last week, 951 is where we started out, where Jesus resolutely sets eyes for Jerusalem, and he goes down, guys ahead of him actually in Samaria rejects him because he was going to Jerusalem. So most of what we have in those chapters are this journey here that would normally be where he would go or Jews would go to avoid Samaria. And we've got all the parables, we've got all the teachings, and one of the main things that we're looking at in this last mini-series of the, of the Jesus Focus is um, the differences in Jesus' teaching and life before this journey. And so as we go through here, as that's kind of where we picked up the maxims last week, but we're going to get down into this lower area here where he's getting ready to come into uh, Jerusalem towards the end of his journey. And there's two different stories I had to kind of um, debate between and pray between which one I really wanted to focus on uh, because I, there were some things when it came to Lazarus that I was really wanting to kind of present to you guys, uh, and I will encourage you to go through and read the story of Lazarus, if you would, um, and go about a chapter after that is done. Um, because there's a point within that that I don't think we talk about enough that I think is good for, for us to know as we go into Holy Week. Because most of us know the story. We just covered it recently. That's one of the reasons why I lean towards the other. But uh, when it came to the resurrection of Jesus, or Lazarus, one of the things that we don't pick up on is that is when the plot for his death came in to be, it's, we, we, we're doing it this time. We're killing him. That, that's, if you read the scripture, it, it says because of the, the amount of momentum and the amount of uh, followers that he got from raising Lazarus, they said, we, we've got to get this guy gone. And not only is that where the plot really hit the fan, but that is when they said, we need to kill Lazarus too. A lot of people don't really ever get around to that. But because Lazarus was the evidence of the miracle, they decided they were going to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. Uh, but then I realized, hey, I can just say that in a few sentences, so let's go to the other one instead. So we end up going to uh, right before Lazarus' death and resurrection, when we're down in the area of Jericho, which, do I have that on there? Yeah, Jer Jericho is going to be like down here in this little spot here, this last box before he goes into Jerusalem. And I think usually when we th think about Jericho, we think about the, the uh, battle of Jericho, right? And they all marched around and blowing the horn and then all the walls fell down back in the Old Testament. Uh, but there's a story as Jesus is doing the cross over, going to Jerusalem. Right now when he comes into Jericho, he is 17 miles, just shy of 17 miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, it's a very uphill walk that he's got and he's making his way across the border into that area. That's where we're going to pick up on the story of Zacchaeus. And so I want to go into that and look at it a little bit deeper. I know probably 90% of us learned about him in VBS and have a little song already going in our head. We'll come to that in a little bit. But for first, I would like to hit the scripture. So if you would read with me 
starting out in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they were all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation is coming to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay, so let's get out of the way. Zacchaeus was a... Right, there's a difference between the people listening and the people are stuck on the song. He was a wee little man. Do you remember that song? No. No, Cindy said she'll come up and sing it for us. Cindy? No? Okay. Yes, he was a wee little man. Now, that, what that means, just so we have a little bit of a context of that. Uh, and Carrie's not done yet. I'm sorry. You were still going through the song? She was still climbing the, the tree over there. She's going through all the motions. Um, the... The height at the time in this area would be somewhere between five foot one and five foot seven. So I'm like a freaking giant if I was walking through this town looking down on everybody. It's a very short in stature community. So best guess is Zacchaeus is probably in the high force. Okay, who would be about the size that he is. Uh, so that is one thing we know about him. But the, the one thing within that is if you're a man in this culture, uh, even though compared to us, it's, it's a, a shorter stature, uh, then he, it, that would make him feel somewhat inferior compared to others. So there would be a little bit of compensating for that. And he compensate he does well because he finds himself in a position where he has a lot of power. Not a lot of respect, not a lot of people that care about him, not a lot of friends, but he is a tax collector. Uh, with the tax collector, we talked about this a hundred million times, right? Tax collectors are... Jewish men who have turned their backs on their Jewish community and have leaned into the Roman um, oversight over that that oppression, uh, and they are taking money from their fellow Jews and for Rome as well as on top of it themselves. So not a lot of people are all that happy about Zacchaeus being around at all, except for maybe I'm guessing Matthew probably is pretty happy about this particular situation. I think Matthew gets what's going on, right? To make it worse, Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. That means on top of having that experience in his past, he now employs multiple Jewish men underneath him to be tax collectors. And Nicodemus himself is the one that is setting policy in this area on taxes. So it's almost kind of pyramid schemish. Like the further up, the more that he can make by taking and uh, using his his authority to take and completely rip people off so that he can have a lot of wealth. And according to the testimony, he is a very, very wealthy man in this community. So that's what we generally know about Zacchaeus. Um, the other thing we know about him is in Jericho. And one of the things that I, I love, that, that I really geek out on, is I love seeing how the locations of the stories tend to match 
what's going on within the story, within the testimonies. Uh, Jericho itself, again, we already talked about the Battle of Jericho, which was a few thousand years before this. Jericho is uh, known, if you just Google it up, as one of the oldest cities, if not the oldest established city in the world uh, as of today. It's been around forever. Um, and it's also in the very lowest place on earth where there's a city. It's the lowest city on earth. It's 900 feet below sea level. That there was two, uh, what they call them, faults that many years before this had shifted and it had dropped, I think it's 3,000 feet, the entire community, and they had to rebuild from that. And this is the lowest place that you can go that there's, that there's a community and that you can breathe and everything's normal. Uh, they, so the, the, it's also a very fluent place because it's on the border, so there's a lot of trade and a lot of money and a lot of wealth. What does all that mean to Zacchaeus? The lowest place on earth, but very affluent. That's where Zacchaeus is at. That's where Zacchaeus is at, and it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so if we look at those characters from those standpoints, then we have uh, Jesus himself, and he's the one I want to focus most of um, our time on, on how he handled this. Again, this being his final journey, his final couple weeks, uh, and he's coming through and he's having this encounter with this guy that he's never seen before and will never see again. And so, like the last list, I'm going to make some notes on what Jesus did, what he experienced, but also a little bit from Zacchaeus' standpoint as well. So if you're a note taker, you might want to put these down or you can take a picture afterwards if you want to. Um, but the first thing I, that we're really going to notice about, about Jesus on here is that he's on his way. And that, to me, is important because when you look at the ministry that Jesus does, there are times he goes straight to a person or straight to people uh, one of my favorite stories is when he goes all the way across the sea and there's a graveyard there and there's a demon-possessed man in the graveyard that's been exiled from the community and he casts all the demons out of that man into the, the hood of pigs and they all dive off the cliff and die. You remember that? And then all the people in the town say, dude, you're freaking us out. Leave. So he gets back in the boat and he goes back to the exact same place he was. In other words, Jesus did that trip for that one man. There's plenty of stories about how far he'll go for one man, but over one woman. But and oftentimes his ministry, it just happens on his way. He's aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's watching what's going on around him. He's looking for opportunities to do within the kingdom. And that's what we find here. He's on his final journey and he's, he sees Zacchaeus. Uh, and then we see that with seeing Zacchaeus, he has an encounter. Now, it would be very easy for Jesus to completely miss Zacchaeus or just completely blow off Zacchaeus. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I was thinking about this week. I highly doubt this is the first time someone climbed a tree to see Jesus. I just highly doubt it. With all the crowds and all the teachings and everything else, this is not an unusual occurrence. But in this particular case, he sees an opportunity that he wants to encounter. Now, just so you have it, with Chris's help, we'll go to the next picture. Um, this is the picture of the tree that is traditionally believed to be the one that Zacchaeus goes up. Goes up. It's called the, Zac uh, the Zacchaeus uh, sycamore tree. Um, and it, you can still visit it today. The only thing I think is a little misleading about the modern picture of it is when you get all weird techie pastor study-ish type things of this. The, the, the scripture tells us there's a particular type of sycamore tree. And the particular 
type of sycamore tree that he climbed has very low branches. In this, it's trimmed. It looks real nice. You know what I mean? I remember when we first bought our house, a guy came over and goes, man, you do so good, good job like, like landscaping your trees. And I'm like, that's because I just bought it two months ago. The other guy did all of it. That, someone's been trimming this tree, but there's usually low branches, so it'd be very easy for a man that's short in stature to be able to climb up again. But again, like Jericho, this is the cool stuff. This particular type of sycamore tree that the scripture tells us he climbed up to does produce figs. And we've been talking a lot about sycamore trees lately and how they represent uh, you know, the body of Christ or, or God, God's followers. It does produce figs, but it's considered to be an undesirable fig, so no one eats of it. So once again, even within the tree, we find one who is of God, he's one Abraham's children, who is undesirable. Just over and over again, we get these things to this. But so Jesus sees this, and he goes into an encounter. Now, some of these sound like no-brainers, but I'm telling you, it's good to think about them from our own standpoint. He looked. He easily could have looked the other direction. He easily could have ignored it. He easily could have just hung out. But he looked at the situation that was there, and he didn't just look, but he saw. He took, took it all in, and I'm going to suggest to you that you and I are not the best at seeing things. We kind of glaze over real, real easy. I, I was thinking about this, uh, and again, I, I'm, I have no problem announcing my shortcomings uh, to anybody but my wife. But the, uh, <laughs> I made a statement, I think it was last night, Emily and Jenny had to correct me. I generally don't like people as crowds, but I love people as individuals. Does that make sense? And I was thinking this while I was going through the players' parking lot, if that helps put the setting a little bit. I just, oh my gosh, people drive me crazy. But I love people as individuals. Um, Jesus is really good at seeing us as individuals. Uh, the example that came to my mind when I was talk, thinking this through, and I don't think she'll mind because it played out on uh, Facebook, but Tammy Cruz back here, just, I was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, you put something about, like, I see more than people realize, I take in more than people realize. You remember putting that out? You put it on public, so I'm allowed. And I, and I told her, it was an interesting timing because it was just that Sunday before that I was watching Tammy. It's like she picks up on everything. Like she, she, she's a quiet lady. She, she right now hates me for even bringing her up. But she takes in everything. And uh, I was like, no, I've actually seen that in, in you. There was, uh, it was the week that Kevin back here. Hi, Kevin. I'll talk about you too. We'll put you guys put on the, both on the block. Tammy's like, thankfully, we'll bring him in. Tammy's never coming back. She's never speaking to me again. I'm sorry, baby. But Kevin came, and it was his first week, and he was asking me about salvation. And we got to talking about salvation. And Tammy was sitting a couple chairs down about where Everett's at. And she had her back to us, going through her push and everything. And there was a couple times, like, we're talking. And, like, she would just go, yeah, you need to do that. And then, like, keep on going. Back. Yes, that's do what the pastor says. You know, I keep, like, she just she takes in everything. And you don't see it unless if you see her. You know what I mean? And I really think for most of us, we want to be seen. Unless if we're hiding, we want to be seen. Um, going to the, the gala for the Marion County Board of DD, that night they were seen. They were seen. That was the celebration. In this moment, Jesus decides to see, not just look upon Zacchaeus and really dig in. When he sees him, sorry, Tammy, I still love you. He made it personal. He made it personal. He calls him out by name. Have you ever wondered how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name? I'm just going to call him Zach. I always mess up the name. Zach's name. I don't think I've ever thought about it before. 
it's not because he knew him from someplace before. I mean, we do have those opportunities within Scripture. But according to this, Zach was like wanting to see who this Jesus guy was. There was no prior knowledge. Uh, was it divine? Was it uh, going into that town? One of the, the people from town say, dude, just avoid this Zach guy. He's a chief tax collector. He's just not worth your time. There's no hope for him. Is it that he was walking through and people are looking up and they're laughing at old crazy Zach up in the tree and that's where he picked up his name? I don't know. In all honesty, I hope it's one of the latter two. I like thinking about how Jesus would step into the gap with somebody that other people are talking negatively about. I kind of like seeing that, that image of people laughing at crazy Zacchaeus and Jesus said, no, 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 I'm here for him. I like that. But he makes it personal. He calls him by name. He doesn't just call him by what his reputation is. Okay, so from there, then we have a connection. He connects. Hui. I love that. Hui. Come. One of the most beautiful invitations Jesus gives over and over and over and over again that we have the opportunity to be part of that invitation to others. Come and see. Makes a connection there to be able to come down. Um, this is a practical suggestion because, again, lowest place on earth going back up to Jerusalem City. He's got 17 miles to go. They need a place to bunk for the night. It's practical. Um, they need food. It's practical. Uh, Zacchaeus has got money and a place. A good-sized place. Uh, so there's some practical things within this, but as we know, as we continue in the story, there's also spiritual implications as well. Uh, he turns need. Turns need. Uh, that's an odd an N. There we go. And then I'm going to put in parentheses, resources. Into kingdom opportunity. I'll explain what that is. So in this case, he has a need as far as the overnight. He turns it into a kingdom opportunity to be able to minister to, um, to Zach. Now, we still have this opportunity today. We were talking with uh, Andrew from the Marion Star. Jenny and I were having lunch with him someday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that, uh, because he was interviewing us to talk about the clothing sale. And one of the things that we, uh, I shared with him, and this has been true for all 19 years of being together, is probably most of the outreach ministries we have done, uh, I would say some of the most impactful re ministries we've done outreach-wise, have always started with either a need or a resource. If we're going to start a new ministry within this, uh, this church, we need three things. We need a, a need, a leader, and resources. Those are the three things that we look for. Um, but when we have that come up, then you know God's starting to do something. We need to seek it out. So in this case, with the clothing, Walmart does not call every day and say, we have eight pallets of brand new spring and summer clothes that we will give to you if you guys want it. That just doesn't happen every day. So our first response is, as Jenny with Aspire and then us as a church, it's like, yeah, yeah, we want that. that yeah, that's a, yeah, we're going to do something great with that. What are we going to do? I have no clue. What are you going to do? I don't know. Now we've got to start making plans. Now we've got to figure out how we're going to do this and how it's going to look and those type of things. But God, that, that just doesn't drop in your lap every day. It's taking resources to be able to do things that God wants to do within the community. That's what Jesus did here. He just did it from a need standpoint. So with that, we go to response, right? This is where we're going to bring in Nicodemus a little bit. Because if you're looking at this from a Jesus standpoint, here's all the things Jesus has done. And he's reached out to Zach. Now it's up to Zach how he's going to respond. And thankfully he responded well. 
Okay, so yay. If he didn't respond well, then what do we always say? You, that's outside your control. That's outside your control. That's up to them. So, so that would be how we look at it from that standpoint. However, if all of a sudden I switch from Jesus to Zach and Jesus is calling me to do something, my response is in my control. My response is in my control. So if God's calling me to be part of the Easter egg hunt or God's calling me to reach out to somebody at my workplace or God's calling me to take a step up, the response is in my control. So now we have to kind of shift a little bit to see how that plays into our own lives. Uh, and, and thankfully, in this case, uh, he receives it joyfully. Good answer, Zach. Receives it joyfully. Perfect answer, perfect answer. Uh, as he receives joyfully, now we have conflict. By the way, anytime that you receive it joyfully, I just want to let you know this is coming right behind it. There's always conflict when you go and follow Jesus, only because Satan kind of exists in this world, and Satan doesn't really like you taking and saying yes to God, so he's going to chase after that with conflict. Uh, in this case, Jesus takes a lot of heat with everybody else that came out the scene. I can't believe he's going to go eat at this guy's house. Once again, Matthew steps back and smiles a little bit, because Matthew members the party at his house, right? So he knows what Jesus is doing. But a lot of people are really upset about it, because when you take and invite yourself well, when you have fellowship meal like that, there's now a bond of friendship. And Jesus says, I'm making a bond of friendship with you, and we don't like him. That's basically what they're upset about. Uh, some other things they're upset about, the food that Zach, uh, that Zach has, not tithed on. It's not, it's not clean food. Jesus shouldn't be, should be eating that in any way, shape, or form. And to top it all off, Jesus invited himself. Zach didn't. That's unheard of within the Jewish law. Hospitality is a huge thing within the Jewish law, but a religious leader never invites himself into a home because you should have already invited him. And so it's below the leader to invite himself. Does that make sense? Like if you think about Jesus going into Bethany for the first time, him and his guys, Martha looks at him and assumes that they're probably homeless because that's the town that it is. She says, you can come to my house. That's how it's supposed to go. But Jesus invited himself, so there's already some scandal there within the conflict. So know that there's always going to be conflict, but if you hold on to it, there's also going to be the change. There's also going to be the change. Um, again, others, how could he? Zacchaeus, is, it's an interesting response. First, he stands. And don't, don't miss that, because it's very much like uh, Luke 9, 51, when Jesus sets his face upon Jerusalem, and he's resolute about this mission that he's about to go on. Uh, in this case, his resolute stance is he stands, and he says, I'm going to give away half of everything I have, Jesus. And if I ever, ever have taken, done somebody wrong, I'll pay him back fourfold. And you know, almost everybody in the room said, if... We know you did, Zach. We know, <laughs> we know you did. Um, and there's several things within that that I want to make sure that, that we hit. First off, Zach does this because he is forgiven, not to get forgiven. Okay? Make sure you know that. There, there's no way like Jesus says, yes, if you make it right, then I'll forgive you. This is his response to the change that's already come by accepting Jesus in his life, when he acknowledged him as the son of God, when he believed he died and rose again, when he says, I'm going to follow you. But I feel there's a tangible change. He had the opportunity in this place to 
just to be an integrity tax collector. That, that was one of the opportunities. From now on, I'm not going to take and screw over anybody else. Jesus, I, I'm going to do this. We're only going to charge what the Romans charge. He had that opportunity to be a Christian within a secular workplace if he wanted to. And I don't know if he did or didn't do that, but that wasn't his response. I've got a feeling he probably left the job and his life was completely changed. That's how we should be. We should be completely changed. But anyways, um, the other thing that this does in this moment is he's immediately poor. Immediately poor. From everything he had to what is now that it's, it's poverty for him. Half of it is gone. When he talks about the fourfold, um, he kind of pulls it out of his hat, that particular number kind of doesn't. If you look in Exodus 22, there's a chapter of if you take somebody else's sheep, then you repay that sheep fourfold. But it's also, I think if you take a pig, you pay it back twofold. And there's all these different things. So, but I think he was kind of thinking that mentality in the law where you want to pay back four. And it's not just people that he's messed over. It's people that, um, again, with the deeper study in the wording, that, that uh, if Chuck was a chief tax collector and I was mad at Tom, and Tom was causing me problems. If I came to Chuck and said, I'll give you $200 if you take and accept this false allegation against Tommy, and Tommy goes to jail so that I don't have to deal with him anymore. That's the type of situations that he is referring to here. When he has taken money or he is either to take additional money from someone or to imprison someone, he's going to full fold take care of that situation uh, because he, that's what he wanted to do. Still, there's nothing definite. They had to do that. But it shows a mindset and a heart of someone who's changed. Uh, one of the biggest things I struggled with before Jenny and I got together, and now I'm a diehard on it, as you guys know, is tithing. There's times I would tithe. There's times I wouldn't tithe. I wouldn't do it for six months. I'd feel bad about it. I'd say, okay, God, I'm sorry that I'm not tithing. I'm going to start tithing starting this week. Never once did I thought, stop and think, I'm going to give you what I've taken from you for the last six months. That's what Zacchaeus is doing. He's taking that extra step into it to be, able to, to be able to show the change that's happened with him. Okay, so we've got the change. Uh, and then we've got salvation. Zacchaeus, right? Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay, I like 10. Uh, okay. Oh, my goodness. Good thing you guys didn't say you expected a young pastor. Uh, <laughs> read that to me again, Chuck, that, that verse 10 from, oh, for? For the Son of Man came. Well, slow, 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 slow. For the Son of Man came, came to seek and The lost. Still want me to be a scribe? Son of man. There we go. Came. Okay. And that's voice 10. And that one. Oh, there we go. It was like a, I don't know what that bell was, but it sounded like the Grim Reaper when I was standing up. Okay. <laughs> and when I read this this week, and it, it, this is not technically from the standpoint of what we looked at last week. And if you didn't see last week's study, you can, again, pick it up online. Um, but to me, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't fall into it, but it's darn close to a maxim. I mean, if I can remember, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
If I can remember that every time I feel challenged when it comes to reaching out to others or going back into the old life or feeling like I'm not valuable to God, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost is an incredible, incredible maxim. Everybody good so far? 17 years ago, and this is why I cut you off, Katie, because you've given away my good point. 17 years ago, I did a list just like this, and we filled it up just like we did here once again. And I said to the group and looked over it, I said, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. If you are too. Because we're all ministers of the word of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand some of these will coincide with my calling that is a little different than your calling. But you know what? You have a calling. And so if you're in the word of God and you've got listening to you and you're available to others when they need help and you're taking, doing evangelism and you're leading people in the kingdom and you're spreading the word and you're caring and you're daring and you're 100% love and 100% truth, all these things, I'm in if you are. That's a proper expectation. Jesus says, I am if you are. I am if you are. If you would take and watch and look for the encounters I have for you, if you would look and see people for who they are, if you'll let yourself get personal, if you'll connect with them with a the come and see attitude, if you turn needs and resources around you into kingdom opportunities, you will see responses joyfully, deal with the conflict, seeing the change, seeing salvation. I'm in if you are, because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost, and that's your role as the church. And so as we prepare ourselves to go into the Holy Week, as we prepare ourselves to get into discipleship, as we're talking more about reaching the community and making a difference to the people around us, we have to start looking at the opportunities. We've got to start stepping into the opportunities. And we need to do the opportunities. Now, sure, there's a church element to this because there's a such thing as invitational evangelism. Easter's coming up. Great opportunity to invite people. Easter egg hunt coming up. Don't just sort of tell people about it. When I got the banner, we were putting the banner out there uh, at Office Max. I was picking it up, and the lady uh, who was wrapping it up for me says, so is that this Saturday? Is that next Saturday? Why? She said, oh, I got a two-year-old. My husband, he's getting ready to be shipped off to Kuwait, and we're looking for opportunities to be together. Sure, come on out. There's people around you that need that, that need to be some love of Jesus on them. The, the, even the Jews for Jesus thing, tell me, I, I'm telling you, you've got a geeky friend who would love that even if they're not a Christian, who wants to know about history stuff. There's great opportunities coming up. Clothing sale, you have people that need help with in that area that you can bring. There's a lot of invitational opportunities that you should and must be doing. But there's tons of opportunities just along the way or as the Spirit leads you. At your work, in your family, in your marriage, with your friends, with people that you hang out with, people at your school, whatever the case may be, Jesus is in if you're in because he came to save and rescue the lost. Will you pray with me? Dearly Father, I pray that you shake us up a little bit today. I pray that you wake us up a little bit today and put us into a, a new place that's a little raw. I pray that you Help us to start 
being strategic in the way that we think to deal with Satan, who's not new, he's not inventive, we know how he works, but to still be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as snakes as far as reaching people for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We must reach the lost. We must do our part. We are one body joined together under the headship of Christ to do his mission, his work, his way. Anything less it's heartbreaking. Encourage us, Father, guide us, love us, forgive us when we've not been in, in your, the right place. And let us use those lessons as you make beautiful things out of the dust to be able to move forward in new ways that lead to a life of true worship. Father, we sing our songs of worship to you. But may our lives be songs of worship to you. When we call out to the lost and say, hurry, come and see, it's worship. When we invite people into our homes that need an ear, where we take and help people to be able to stand above the muck and the mire that they've been in with new tools and new resources and the salvation through Jesus Christ, then we're worshiping. When we laugh with children or we serve a meal, we're worshiping because nothing done in the name of Jesus Christ is loss. You told us that. So maximize our hearts with 100% love and 100% truth to be the ministers you have called us to be. According to your son's perfect and precious name, we love you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, so shall it be. Amen. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.